it was a wild year and it's it's funny because at that time I was really fueled by I need to prove myself to myself mm-hmm. I want to live up to my potential I felt like I had no safety net, like I don't want to fail and in my head I was like what makes me a real entrepreneur quote-unquote real is I need to have a million dollars in revenue and I need to have it. All right, Jess, I'm so excited to get to know you better. I want to ask you, who is Jess today as a way to dive in? Oh, man, I love that <laughs> question. I was actually at a dinner party recently and one of the uh, at a, uh, mastermind and the, one of the questions was like, oh, what's your experience of like, what's the experience of being Jess like right now? And I was like, oh, I yeah. love this opener question. Um, so I guess just right now, I am the founder and CEO of two companies. So I have a marketing agency called Longplay and a software company called Backbone. Um, I have also recently really felt like I identify more as an artist than an entrepreneur and like really leaning into that has been so beautiful. Um, so I think I'm really showing up more in alignment as like a leader in what I create um, and like how I work. And also just having like so much more fun doing all of it as well of like really being in a spirit of play and creation rather than necessarily building a business for the exit or for like the outcomes i'm like i'm really enjoying the process of business building these days so i guess that's just a very vague broad no that's great things off I am all about play and enjoying each moment and doing things with people you enjoy. And so I love that you're having so much more fun these days. And we're going to jump into all of that. But just for the audience, I'll give some context. You mentioned CEO of two companies. You've been building long play for about four years now. I think you started when you were 22 years old. I can't wait to get into it. And it's a retention marketing agency for D2C companies. And then recently, this March, you launched Backbone, which is a B2B SaaS version of that. And so killing it, very self-aware, lots of effort being put into your own growth and development. I want to dial it all the way back to get to know young Jess and what some of her formative moments were growing up. Did you grow up in Toronto, first of all, or somewhere else? Yeah, I grew up in Toronto. My parents still live in the same house that I was born in. So very stable, (laughs) like solid suburban um, childhood. I think it was a beautiful childhood. Yeah. Um, and also went to university here as well. Beautiful. What were some of the things that you feel really contributed to the person you are today? Maybe the artist, maybe the woman that fell in love with entrepreneurship. Yeah, it's funny. I, I remember looking back and in elementary school, I was just so average in the most average way possible was like got 70s and everything like nothing about me was like particularly remarkable and somehow everything kind of shifted um Mm -hmm. when I went to high school and I think a lot of that has to do with one like my parents were amazing with just letting me try new things and they were not the tiger mom type parents where it's like you have to do piano now you have to reach like whatever level 12 of the certification um Mm -hmm. they let me quit things if it didn't feel good anymore um, I was trying everything, went to like magic camp, went to engineering camp, went to trampoline camp, you know, um, 
So I think they really cultivated a base level of like self-awareness of just like, how does this feel doing this thing? And like, do you like it? That I think a lot of kids don't actually get to grow up with and really just making my own decisions in like very little ways of just like, what do you want to eat for dinner? Like, what do you want to make? Um, Something that cultivated a lot of that like underlying self-awareness. And then in high school, I had an amazing uh, mentor, uh, which was my high school teacher uh, in, in history class. And he was kind of like a second dad for me um, for a lot of years. And I think he really cultivated kind of like the, the dreaming bigger. Um, Cause obviously like my parents, I'm like their immigrant parents, um, they provided an amazing childhood. And also like there's a ceiling for like what they can see the world as. And Cody, my, my high school teacher was this like, expansionary person for me. Um, and he was the first person who introduced me to this idea of like, hey, when you graduate, like, what do you want to do? And I'm like, wait, what do you mean you get to decide what you yeah. want to do you can just like he's like you can just take a year off he like met his wife at, when he was went to switzerland like to teach ski for whatever reason i'm like oh wow like that really opened up the, this like very early seed idea of like designing my own life um i think those were some of those like early formative people that were in, in just the environment i was in that was really conducive where are your parents immigrated from uh hong kong amazing so i'm also an immigrant and my husband is an immigrant and I grew up in Sierra Leone and born in Ukraine and moved to the U.S. for undergrad. So totally resonate with your parents there. And I think it's such a gift to have parents who allow us to choose our own journeys, right? And not be putting themselves on this on this child and expecting the child to grow up a certain type of way. Also, your history teacher, just opening up a world of possibilities for you is huge. How did you take that into entrepreneurship, Jess? I, it's funny. I feel like I don't have like a fun, sexy entrepreneur. It's not, it's not, it's not glamorous. No, I'm like, (laughs) I wish I had some like thing of like, I was selling drugs in my college locker and like, or like I was finding all these opportunities that had a lemonade stand. I was like, no, I was actually like the perfect child and I had like perfect grades and like, was very like doing the thing um, for a very long, long period of time. Um. So I remember in high school, I was like getting like mid high 90s and things. And I went to school for um, actuarial science, economics and political science. So just very nerdy academic um, type stuff and finished that degree. Um, But it was actually, I'd say like the catalyst of all of it was kind of midway through this, this degree, I was going through this period of panic attacks, depression, like suicidal thoughts, just like a really dark, like year, year and a half-ish. Um, and at that time, like no one was really talking about mental health. Um, so I just, I was like, I'm going crazy. This is like, it's scary having suicidal thoughts for the first time where you're like, I don't understand what, what is happening, you know? Um, and I think it was in that like year, year and a half that eventually I kind of got out of it where I was like, I'm, I'm over this. Like clearly something just needs to change, but mm-hmm. I didn't really know what that game plan was. So I just started you know, doing things. So I was like, I, maybe I'll tinker around UI UX design. Like maybe I'll test, like try coding. Maybe I'll start designing. Like I was like, I just need to do things. Like I started like a 30 day challenge for myself where I would just vlog every day, um, just read every day, you know? So just started doing a bunch of things. And that was kind of when I started entering the world of like listening to Tim Ferriss podcasts and like Seth Godin books and just the idea of, oh, I can design my own yeah. life and I can like crawl my way out of this like stuckness that I feel, like hopelessness that I feel in my life. And that was kind of the catalyst of everything. And then that eventually led to a marketing assistant job at a company called uh, Best Self Co. Um, that's an e-commerce brand. And I was really 
fortunate that I got in. I was kind of working with them relatively early. I was working really closely with the co-founders. So that, so that was kind of like my exposure to like direct exposure to entrepreneurship. Um, and we were literally creating productivity tools for entrepreneurs. So yeah, it was a perfect intersection of all of that. Can I, and, can yeah. I pause you for a second here? Yeah. And can we maybe go back to your tough mental health period in college? And I, there's just so many people going through this. It's very common. And so just wanted to touch on what was helpful for you here in terms of realizing you needed to get help. And then what was helpful for getting out of that phase for you? Yeah. Um, honestly, at that time, I don't even think I was really talking to like a true therapist that was like helpful because that would probably be the immediate solution now. Um, at that time, I think it was talking to like a school counselor maybe um, who kind of jumped to like, maybe you just need some drugs and like antidepressant drugs. And I thank God I didn't kind of jump on that train because I think that would have brought me down a different path. Um, but for me, it was really about kind of just t- ironically time blocking my day. So like my mentality was like, hey, I can't control how I feel, but I can kind of control what I do. Yeah. So I might wake up each morning kind of suicidal and hating everything, but I can just plan my day. So I'm like, I'm going to wake up at 6 a.m. and read for an hour, like no matter what. And then from there, I'm going to go on a two hour run and listen to some podcasts. And then I'm going to publish a blog post every single day. And I'm going to work on this like random design project that I've like concocted for myself. And I'm like, I kind of almost split myself into like me and how I feel. And then like my boss and I'm like, my boss tells me I have to wake up at 6 a.m. and do this thing. Um, So I kind of just honestly got out of it by not thinking and dwelling in it too much and just starting to do things. And that naturally opened up a lot of doors because then I like found some curiosity or like books I really wanted to explore um, that was that was my way out. Hearing you speak, it also coming back to designing our lives. It sounds like you designed around a prioritizing mental fitness. Hearing you waking up, taking some time to go for a run or read, and then publish a blog post slash write, which can be a form of journaling and getting your thoughts to make sense to yourself. Does that feel resonant? The mental fitness. Yeah, hundred percent. Um... And I think also a lot of it is really just like not trying to t- tackle it all at once. Like you're not going to solve your entire life right now, yeah. especially in that mental state. But I'm like, you can solve for like tomorrow. Um, and then tomorrow becomes like a week and then a week becomes a month and a month becomes a few years. Um, and really just yeah. taking it one step at a time. One brick at a time. So helpful. And then I love that you were also designing around doing things that brought you joy. You mentioned this design project. You started to explore your curiosity, getting into Tim Ferriss. What impact now looking back do you feel those activities had? It was so much fun. And also I think the big lesson there for me is the power of just following your own curiosity. So I, instead of me sitting down saying like, I'm going to be a UI UX designer now and like, I'm going to find a job and take a course and do the thing. It's like, I don't know what, I don't know if I'm going to like it. Let me just start a pro. I'm just literally just going to invent my own project and like invent my own course and be like, I'm going to redesign this website now. And then from that, I have to problem solve into like, how would I design a new website? Like, you know, what blogs would I read? What is a good design? What is a bad design? So kind of creating my own learning curriculum in that way. And I think that is still how I approach entrepreneurship now, where it's kind of like, 
and we're starting a software company. I guess I got to figure it out now rather than let me yeah. figure it out and then build <laughs> it. Um, so I'm a huge fan of kind of learning with your back pressed against the wall because you'll figure it out. I love it so much. I'm also hearing this huge unlock that came for you, which is following your creativity or curiosity for you, the fact that you can literally build something yourself and build it your own way and learn as you go. Yeah, I think it's really that crazy idea. And I lean into even more now these days is like, you can create anything. Um, you can create any, you can change your entire life tomorrow. And you can change who you are tomorrow too. And I think that's actually one of the underlying elements that I kind of left out here is I remember at some point I was journaling and I just like redesigned myself. So mm-hmm. I used to be lining up at coffee shops and having to like rehearse the order in my head. Cause I was like, so scared of like saying the wrong thing. And I was like, the social anxiety was like crippling. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, I'm a math person. Like, this is how I operate. And I really just went down. I was like, how do I actually, like, who is the new version of me? And what do I need to do to, like, acquire these skill sets or, like, show up as this person? Um, so I think designing your own life kind of goes beyond that. It's really just, like, redesigning who you are and really realizing, like, you can wake up tomorrow and decide that you're confident. Like, that yeah. is it. You can just wake up and decide that. And then now you're confident. Or like, you can wake up tomorrow and decide, like, I love socializing. And now you yeah. that is who you are. Um, so really realizing that you're never stuck in who you are. You get to continue evolving as you want. Love it so much. And I know you're an introvert, Jess, and here you are as a CEO so needing to make sales calls. And so speaking about social anxiety and waking up and deciding I'm going to be confident and designing around that, what are some of the things that work for you there? Yeah, um, it's actually really well timed because last week I had like the most extroverted week of all time. I think I was literally around <laughs> for like 16 hours a day. It was insane. Um, it was great. But I think with the introversion, I a lot of it has, has been around one, realizing that like people don't think about you as much as you think they mm. do because everyone's busy mm. thinking about your, the, themselves. Like themselves. You just kind of think about how much you think about other people and sometimes <laughs> judging them. It's like probably minimal because you're so busy being anxious about like how people are judging you. And like, that's everyone's experience. So that's like a very freeing um, thought into just like showing up. Um, and the other thing is like really just being more comfortable owning like where I'm at energetically. Like I will literally be at events, be in the middle of a conversation and be like, Hey, I'm really enjoying this conversation. My battery is running low. So I'm going to go recharge literally in my hotel room alone for like three hours and I'll come back out and I would love to continue the conversation. And people receive it really well. Um, when you're just like being super honest with what it is versus in the past, I would feel the battery running low, try to keep pushing through it. Then I just start getting irritable and then I'm actually showing up poorly. And then it's and then it feeds the social anxiety because I'm showing up poorly. So people are reacting to that, you know, and it's this vicious cycle versus just knowing like, hey, I'm at this line where I'm like, I can no longer be present and show up as best as I can. So I'm just gonna remove remove myself from the situation. Um, and that has I think those are probably the two biggest like mindset shifts. Um That's a great one. And I think that's one that's hard for many folks to do because, again, of the social anxiety feeling like I don't want people to think I'm weird, et cetera, blah, 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 whatever you're telling yourself in your head. 
it's such a huge unlock again of just being just sharing who you are again the power of vulnerability people tend to receive that so well when we open up when we're brave about who we are it's so refreshing yeah and i think that's the thing where everyone is feeling it too and when you say yeah. it like they then feel comfortable being more vulnerable with you too so it actually tends up tends to open up better conversation in general um, and I've, I've never gotten in a negative response to be like, hey, my social battery is running low. I'm going to step out. And people are like, no, you must stay. Out. Yeah. Never. I've never gotten any sort of like weird judgmental vibe, surprisingly. Like I was nervous saying it the first time too. Yeah. Um, that's been really great. All right, Jess, coming back to your, your, so you did marketing with this company, which was your first foray into entrepreneurship. And then how did you get started. I'm asking this because I think getting started is getting your foot in the game. How did you take that step and what was helpful for yeah. you? Um, so I think, I'm trying to remember now looking back. So I actually started as a marketing assistant. I remember getting promoted as a CMO within like six months. I, I was like, this is the most unqualified promotion of all time. Um, I did that for a few years, but I think in that I started going to a lot of uh, marketing or entrepreneur events and like different self-development type events and would meet these entrepreneurs um, and they would ask like hey you're the CMO like how do you approach this or like how how is your email marketing set up mm -hmm. um, or like and then I would just literally just teach them like at the event um, and walk them through it and then eventually it became like oh would you like be open to doing some consulting it's like sure let's just say yes to everything and then eventually the consulting was like hey could you just do it for me and I'm like sure so um, it really was this process of like just saying yes to everything and letting things organically kind of unfold. Um, and in the beginning with long play, like I call it quote unquote long play because it was the beginning of it, but it wasn't really a company yet. Um, I was really just freelancing. I was doing everything. Like I did email. I like drafted a book, like was doing video scripts, content marketing, like literally everything. Um, and eventually was just kind of honing in on, oh, emails, kind of like what I'm most excited about. And also I think it's the most scalable from a business yeah. standpoint, because we actually have more systems around it. Um, and that was kind of the beginning of long play. And eventually um, I hired a, I actually hired a VA pretty early on um, when yeah. I was making like five, five to seven grand a month in revenue. Like it was like more freelancing than anything else. Um, but hired a VA and then eventually really just got to a point where, you know, I had a team on the agency side and it wasn't sustainable for me to do both well right. anymore. Um, and that was kind of when I left. Amazing. And I know you scaled it to a million dollars of revenue within the first year. And so it sounds like a super smart decision that you started hiring and delegating to help yeah. you scale. It was a wild year. And it's it's funny because at that time, I was really fueled by I need to prove myself to myself. Mm -hmm. Like I want to live up to my potential. Like I like I felt like I had no safety. Net. Like I don't want to fail. So it's really dri being driven from that place. And in my head, I was like, what makes me a real entrepreneur, quote unquote real, is like, I need to have a million dollars in revenue and I need to have like a team. So that was kind yeah, of like all this I was This was your vision. For. Yeah, that How was a vision. Get this I, was vision like, Jess? I just need to make it. Like, I just wanted to make it into like, a, I, I deserve the entrepreneur title now. Um, yeah. That was just concocted in my head, you know, at that time. No one, no one was like imposing this on me. Um, so I did it. But then, but like, the thing is, like, that million dollars is like, it's a blip on a on mm -hmm. a on a spreadsheet you know and it doesn't really feel like anything what i was feeling was the day-to-day -day of like the stress of i have a million dollar thing as like i'm like barely i'm like barely holding it together we have like 12 people no real management systems like i was stressed out of my mind um 
and that I think that's why now I'm building a second company. Like the focus really is on like the process rather than yeah. generally driven goals. And learning from the management systems, those are hugely important, right? How are you tracking your goals and how are you managing your team most efficiently? Make sure that your team, every single person is performing at their best. What are some things you've learned that you're taking into your current company? Yeah. Um, so my greatest hack really is I have an incredible COO uh, named Rachel. She pretty much runs the day-to-day of long play of our agency. Um, and I really realized that like, I don't like management. I'm not good at management and my <laughs> team deserves good management. And that's just not me. Oh, um, like I'm good at leadership. I'm good at direction. I'm good at steering. I'm good at vision and building. Um, <laughs> I'm not good at maintenance in my, both my personal life and my like professional life. I'm more of like a build at once. Now it works and like I'm done. Um, so I think that's part of it where, where it's putting in the right people in place, um, who can translate vision and direction into goals mm-hmm. um and rachel's really the driver behind like a lot of our like our org chart management systems the day-to-day functioning of the company whereas like, i'm my job more so is to set like the container for all yeah. that yes and like set the culture huge hack again for ceos it's so important to figure out what you're good at and then do that and delegate the rest out because it's going to be better for you you're going to show up so much more capable and much much better for your team I want to come back to, you mentioned the million dollars was a blip, right? Because you were so focused on the rest of maintaining the company and having things be able to scale. I know recently you just shared a blog on Hampton about Backbone and the challenges with scaling there. I'm curious how you're making your finances work to date. Yeah. um, So we kind of after hitting that million dollars in a blip, like that was probably like that was the rapid speed to revenue, but we were not crazy profitable. Like we should have been making way more money, should have had way more cash in the bank. Like I remember I was running to the bank on payroll day because I just finally got paid from like a client to go pay, pay our team. So it was like on the outside, it was like, wow, there's all this stuff happening. But on the inside, I was like, this doesn't feel good. And that was when uh, a little while after that, that was when I brought on Rachel and we shifted all of our focus over to profitability and sustainability and getting me out of the day to day. And that mindset shift and business shift is really what allowed us to finance um, Backbone, which is our software company, and Bootstrap, all of that. So now we've, like, I don't even really look at our revenue numbers too much. Like, I look just so I don't sound like a total idiot Mm -hmm. on on when I'm in conversation. But, like, none of our strategic decisions are really made off of revenue. It's actually made off of profitability. So it's always, like, what's our profit numbers like, how's our team? Is it sustainable? What's our capacity? Um, those are the real numbers that we should be focusing on. Yeah, and then we fully, fully bootstrapped our software company, uh, which was like a six-figure investment there. Um, and that's still very early stage. And like, it's not really bringing in significant revenue yet, but we're starting to see that early traction. What are some of the hardest things you've had to go through as an entrepreneur? Yeah. Um, well, one of the wildest stories is uh, we had like the business equivalent of the tinder swindler in our business what so we brought on we brought on the well i brought on this creative director i'm not gonna say we because it was a fully me thing this was before rachel um so i brought on this um this guy who was our creative director he had experience in previous agencies he was like in his 40s you know more experienced i was like this is great came on like was great with clients great with a team things were good for like a, a year or so um then just like weird stuff started happening um where we started getting like a bunch of 
no notice like resignations from team members mm. um there was like, a lot of like and like essays of, of emails on these terminations of like this is a toxic culture well I was like I'm so con- like I'm genuinely so confused like I'm so open to all the feedback but I'm so confused um and like no one was giving us any like I couldn't figure out what I was like I'm mean, a terrible leader like I don't know what's wrong long story short is we found out that he um, was in our local newspaper with like 85 counts of fraud. Um, he actually looks for uh, women and like would get like date them, get engaged and defraud like landlords, defraud, defraud them on leases and all this stuff. Um, wow. And turns out he had a fake name. But like how it was affecting our business was like he was gaslighting the crap out of our entire team. So he would, okay. for example, take a low level, like a, like a junior designer, let's say, and be like, Hey, like, I, I think you deserve like a two X pay raise. Um, I'm going to go try to fight for it. And then he would what? come to me and be like, this guy wants a two X pay raise. That's so ridiculous. I'm like, yeah, that is ridiculous. Like, where does this come from? He's like, I don't know. And then, and then oh he would put us like, he's like, I think we need a level set call. So we got these level set calls and I'm coming in thinking this kid is just requesting a two X pay raise he's like doing this thing. And then this kid is obviously super confused because he was told he deserved. So all this stuff was happening where it was just like crazy levels of gaslighting. And I think he was trying to get towards like, I almost gave him equity, you know? Um, but that was probably one of the hardest pieces where I was like, I don't, How did you I'm, figure I it don't out? know what is real. Yeah. That's horrible. How it did was, you figure it, it out? It was a crazy period. Cause I was like, I don't know what is real. I don't know what, who is good, who is bad. Like information's coming in left, right, and center. I can't tell who's telling the truth. And on top uh, of that, you're building a company and yeah. you, you're building and flying a plane. And then on top yeah. of that, and, you're like, what's happening? I'm 23, 24 is my first business. I'm like, I have nothing right. to calibrate. I'm like, is this normal? Is this just growing pains or is something like very di- disastrously wrong? Or am I just a really bad entrepreneur? Like there's nothing. Whereas like now, if it happened again in a second company, I'd be like, okay, this is, this is a yeah. issue. Um, but so that was, was Rachel actually- who helped you figure it out or? Okay. Yeah, so Rachel was actually here, and that was, like, a lot of the source of conflict because she she was just trying to do her job. She, she's, like, I'm trying to build a real sustainable company, and he is, like, gaslighting the crowd of everyone. So I was, like, is she the one to keep? Is he the one to keep? Like, I don't oh, no. just these, yeah. these insane judgment calls, and I think when it really comes down to it, it's, like, listening to your gut. And, like, for whatever, like, every sign pointed to I should let Rachel go. Like, she's not a good culture fit. Every sign pointed to that. And to this day, I'm like, it was pure gut instinct of like, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I'm going to keep her around. And like, thank freaking God, because she is amazing. Um, so and- did it come down to something in particular that helped you pinpoint that or? I think it was, so I think, I don't, I don't know. I think it was just this like intuitive, like maybe it's yeah. picking up on integrity mm-hmm. or something like that. Um, because it wasn't, it wasn't about skill set. It wasn't about like behavior saying the right things was more about like the essence of the person of like do I trust this person to my core and I think at the end of the day I was like I trust her for whatever reason even though like there's no reason I should from an external standpoint yeah um and I think loyalty is just really loyalty and integrity are so important in a business like you should optimize for that over any day yeah that's why culture building you got to start from day zero it it um like like cement it dries really fast and it's hard to change once you've mm-hmm. gotten started so i'm so happy you got to do that yeah for sure 
I'm so glad you got out of it. Also, now you probably have so much more exposure to people and patterns, et cetera, where you have a much better intuition. Yeah, um, I think we'll have a better read. And also like one of the things, one of the rules we actually have now is like if we ever hire for like director or like C-suite positions that we have to meet them in person for a few days yeah. because there was like one director that we hired that she was with us for a while. And then um, it was like, just wasn't working out very well. And then we met her in person. We're like, oh my God, this is like weird energy. Yeah, um, we would have picked up on that instantly if we did that during the hiring process. So that's actually a new rule that we have in place. Um, which is yeah. Great. Okay, let's turn this around. Tell me a fun story, Jess. <laughs> What's a highlight? A highlight. Let me think. Oh man, I mean, I'm just I'm more so thinking about like all the different things I have to choose between. Um, great. I guess one of the one of the highlights, just kind of top of mind, is very early on. Um, I went to a an entrepreneur mastermind called Baby Bathwater. They do a yearly um, event in Croatia, which is like a, it's literally like a private island in Croatia with like 200 mm. entrepreneurs. And looking back, I remember it was like such a big swing because it was like I was like three months out of like being that CMO job, barely like a baby of an agency. Um, and each of these tickets were like 10 grand, let alone like the flights and all that type of thing. Um, and I just kind of showed up with like no game plan of like, I'm just going to meet new people. And like, yeah. that just felt important for me to be there. Um, but it ended up being like the greatest event. I, I would say like I built the business off of it because I got like the first seven or eight clients that eventually like fueled all of our word of mouth. Uh, I met some of my, my best friends there. Uh, I met people that I'm still like very, very close to. Um, and oh, I think these, that was these are entrepreneur really friends. Yeah, and I think that was when I really understood the power of like relationships in entrepreneurship. Like you really cannot, you really cannot do it alone, whether it's team or whether it's um, a network and they have to be friendships. It's not about having like a great like roster of people that you can, you can know, say, you know, but it's like really like who's going to be there for you and like lift you up when, when you're alone, when you're, when you're alone, but also like hype you up when you're doing well and like who can you call who will like mm -hmm. connect you to anyone, you know, like it's true friendships. Um, and I don't know how I would go through the entrepreneur journey with, without that. Um, that's honestly like one of the reasons I love love doing all of this so much. And I love entrepreneurs. I feel like a different breed of folks too, because it's like the thing they get it right, and the things they will do for you <laughs> because they yeah. get it. They know what it's like. You're yeah. always trying to sell or figure things out or like understand your customer and just make things work with very like too few resources and they just totally understand it. It's just such a meaningful, deep kind of connection. I'm so glad you found that really early in your journey. Yeah. I find entrepreneurs, I'm like, they're just so weird and I freaking love it. Like I yeah, always say like entrepreneurs, I'm like, everyone is a psycho. That's like we're, why we're in this like top 1%. Like there's no reasonable reason that we should be starting businesses. Like all of us could make more money you know, getting a nine to five job corporate somewhere. It's so like, why did we decide to put ourselves through this? And I love the weirdness of that. Um, and also yeah. because of that, there's always this grit. And like, I love seeing like with entrepreneurs, there's always like certain things that like just make them light up. Like there's a lot more like passion and just like light in their eyes and like just that excitement for life um, that I think is really like just amazing to be around. Yeah. And for me, it comes back to something you said earlier. Everything you've seen has been built by someone else who may not be smarter than you. And so you can totally build something yourself as well. And just having this explorer mindset of we're going to go and figure things out on our own. I want to come back just to your life today. Like, what are you spending your time on? Tell me about this art. How are you designing today? 
Um, I have actually spent the last, like, I'd say like four or five months in particular, really focused on kind of designing myself. So I was like really deep in inner work stuff. And I was obviously still working full time and like working on building the businesses, but like from an energy and like a psychic standpoint, I've been really focused on that. Um, and a lot of the somatic work specifically, but this last week I'm like, oh, I feel the shift. Like the sh- now we're good back into like grind. Like we're just, it's go time. And I'm ready and I'm like back in flow and super exciting <laughs> to like be in that like early stage entrepreneur founder kind of energy again. Um, and really just focusing on building backbone, which is really fun. But also I think a lot of my like quote unquote personal brand stuff and like the diary of an entrepreneur series and content stuff is just kind of naturally taking off. Um, and I think that's actually been a really beautiful reminder for me that when I'm creating things that are in alignment and feel like play and is art for me, like that is, those are the things that get traction, you know, the fastest and like this diary of an entrepreneur series on Twitter is like out of all the things I've ever like planned for or like ideated and strategized around, like this one is the one that got traction the fastest has had like the most positive feedback and is the thing that I put the least thought into um, because it's just so natural for me. Um, So I think that's been a really beautiful like fun side thing that has taken off because it's valuable you're sharing your actual true insights which so few people open up the curtains to so thanks for doing that i I gotta ask speaking of twitter and speaking of designing lives about partnership and i know that you just got put on sam's uh (laughs) dating uh i don't even know what to call it how is that going any interesting hits how's it going I'm so glad you're asking me about this because now I have a platform to like say how I really feel say, about this. Say it. Tell us. Um, I'm like, I can't tweet about this, but <laughs> no, it was super fun. I mean, honestly, I'm like, I, so for me personally, I'm like, I don't do dating apps or anything like that. So like, I kind of just like, I, I, my approach to dating is like, I'm going to work on myself and yeah. live my best, like live my, my dream life. Where I'm like, my, if my life was this way for the rest of my life, I would be a pretty happy camper. And then the right person will just naturally kind of appear when I'm doing everything I love. So that was kind of my approach. But with Sam, I'm like, he's just a funny, he's just a fun dude. And, I, and he was like, do you want in on this? I'm like, sure. Like, let's just play and just see what happens. Like, there's nothing. I have zero expectations from this. Um, but also, like, there's no downside. Let's just play around with this. So it was super fun. Yeah. Um, definitely got a lot of DMs. Um, Anyone interesting, Jess? Anyone that you'll go on a date with? No, um, oh. no, but that's okay. <laughs> that wasn't the honestly. I also realized like I'm really not great at texting. Um, mm-hmm. I always joke. I'm like I can barely text back like people I love, yeah. let alone the, You're the not start a of a relationship. No, I'm like I want to yeah. be present. I w- yeah, yeah, I want to be with people in person. Are you a um, caller? Do you talk talk on the phone more? I do a lot of phones. Mm-hmm. I do, also do a lot of voice memos. So I've mm-hmm. I've. I've converted a lot of people over to the dark side on voice memos because I'm like, it's a perfect. I'm a voice memo girl. So. And, and phone calls. Um, I like that you I can know. just share so much. You, you can share the tone. You can just like communicate so much more. It's great. And I'm also Hopefully. very much a, a lot of my A lot of my text threads, I'm like, it's just 20 minute long voice memos back and forth oh, with wow. like my good friends. And I'm like, I love this. Lo- like the 20 minute voice memos. Regularly. 20 minutes a lot. I basically feel like they're always together. <laughs> It's great. <laughs> That's great. Okay. So then I'm so curious, what is like Jess looking for in a partner? 
Do you feel like you know? What have you learned across this process and what are you designing for? Um, this is so not where I expected to go, but I'm here for it. I'm open. Um, what am I looking for in a partner? Um, I'm looking for someone who's kind of on their own inner work journey. Um, so I don't yeah. need someone who's like, I, I don't want to fix anyone. I don't want to like coach or mentor anyone in a relationship, which is what I find um, I've had in the past sometimes. Um, and I also don't need someone who's like growing for me. You know, it's like they're on their own growth journey. Like they're on their own path. And I love that. And it's really about like, two holes coming together rather than like two halves like clashing together to try to make a hole yeah. um so someone who is also just living like their life and like they have already built the life that they love they're already doing everything that they love um they are working on themselves for themselves yeah and for us to kind of come together in that way i think is really important um that's Super probably like one of the most important things and honestly to me like most things the rest of it doesn't really matter like there's definitely some like lifestyle alignment in terms of like travel and like sleep schedules like I think some of those basic type things um yeah as well as like you know I I, my guess is I'll probably end up with an entrepreneur just from like a straight up like lifestyle mindset standpoint but that's not necessarily like a deal breaker criteria or anything like that um awesome and make sure to call Jess guys yes I like texting presence just like let's text once and just make plans rather than like 10 days of texting I I'm not that person love it I love that you're owning who you are it's such a beautiful thing to see and you have so much power in you I want to end with what are a couple of tools or frameworks that you employ today that help you perform at your best you mentioned you've been doing a lot of internal work we talked a little bit before about mental fitness and we talk about you now building again from zero to one. So what are some things that help you perform here at your best that you can share for others to steal? Um, so I do a kind of morning meditation that has been really important for me. And it's a little bit different in the sense where um, it's really about like tuning into like my yeses and no's. So I actually do 30 minutes of the meditation. It gets split into four um, sections, I guess. And then the first section is really just breathing and like monitoring my breath but the the practice there is to shift between the mindset of breathing like being the active first person in breathing versus being the thing that is breathed so that helps me kind of shift into operating at a higher level of consciousness um in my day of like hey when things come up in my day and like there's triggers someone says something like how do i not be in it and be a player in it but really like zoom out and like be the chessboard and like see myself in third person and be able to manage the situation so that's been like a huge practice for me. Um, second thing is really meditation around like feeling into like my yeses and my nos. Like what does a like hell yes look like and feel like? What does a, eh, this doesn't feel correct for me feel like? And I've really been living in a place of like, it's either like F, like F yes or no. Um, and if it's not hell yes, then like I don't need this in my life anymore. So that's been really big. Um, and the third part of the meditation is actually just kind of like pulling in like and really being clear on like what I'm the life I'm trying to build and like who mm -hmm. I want to be and like really feeling into that but let me live that now and like understand what that life would feel like um, and the last one is really just kind of like seeing what kind of comes in um, so I think that meditation has been really important um, uh, I've really been focusing too on like living in a place of like high the, the, the slogan that came up was essentially high standards, low expectations, um, mm -hmm. specifically around like partnership 
and dating, but like also broadly in life as well. It's like, I hold my standards high, like what I let in my life, but I also don't impose that on other people. Like I don't need to have expectations on the people and it's totally fine for everyone to show up as they are. I just decide whether I let that into my own life as well. Um, so that's been really great. And just other basics are like just time blocking my day um, has been really big for me these days too. Thanks, Jess. Also shouting out your COO. Sounds like this was super useful to you as well. Yes. Uh, um, find the right team. Like yeah. you cannot do it alone. The hero's journey is, I, I always find the hero's journey is an interesting concept because it makes it like very singular of like the founder, the entrepreneur is like on this hero's journey, but it's like, you are not really the hero. Like you are more so like the storyteller, like you're meant to like pull everyone together. Um, and if you make yourself the hero, then like, that's just not a way to win in the long term, in my perspective anyway. Takes a village. It really takes a village. Jess, this was so great. Uh, I love so spending much time, time with you. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe. And if you like what you hear, leave a review and share.